You're listening to a 95 BFM podcast. The French, for instance, love the cock. You're tuned into The Wire. The Silicon Valley bank collapsed this week, having a big effect on tech companies. Today I spoke with Chanel Julie from the University of Auckland's Department of Economics, and I started by asking her to explain why the Silicon Valley bank collapsed. Yeah, so Silicon Valley Bank, uh, the the run that we just saw and its collapse is pretty much a textbook bank run situation, much like the toilet paper runs that we saw happening in New Zealand during the COVID pandemic. Um, Silicon Valley's bank uh, model was to attract these kinds of tech companies and venture capital funds by offering additional loans at favorable rates in exchange for the company's banking with with Silicon Valley. Um, And what they did with these funds, these deposits, was they essentially made a bet that interest rates would remain low by investing the money into longer-term maturity bonds. And so that worked very well during COVID when interest rates were indeed low. But as they began to rise, as we're all across the world trying to battle inflation, uh, that posed a problem for the bank um, because the value of those bonds dropped and that meant that their assets didn't have as much value as their liabilities if everyone were to withdraw suddenly. And so the bank uh, last week took some steps to try and rearrange its portfolio and that sent a signal to some depositors who then began to withdraw, and the panic took hold, leading to a mass withdrawal on the bank, which ultimately led to its failure. So as interest rates rise globally, can we expect to see other banks suffer the same? It all depends on how banks have funded themselves. So uh, this is where regulation becomes really important. After the global financial crisis, a lot of regulators put backstops in to try and prevent excessive risk-taking behavior by banks. So banks are required to hold a level of reserves, and regulators tend to be across uh, any behavior that looks to signal that banks are taking on excessive uh, amounts of risk. So unfortunately, it seems that this seemed to have uh, gone under the nose of the U.S. regulators in this particular case. Uh, But most of uh, the banks that have failed in the, in the last uh, couple of hours have been um, those uh, smaller, more regional banks who have tended to fund themselves in that way. A lot of the larger, more established banks, uh, both in the U.S. and New Zealand, fund themselves quite differently. Here in New Zealand, uh, the large Australian-owned banks uh, tend to hold a lot of their assets in property rather than in these, uh, these kinds of longer-term maturity assets. What impact will this have on the Silicon Valley region as well as the tech companies there? So it may lead to some short-term liquidity issues for tech companies, especially if uh, they had put all of their eggs in the Silicon Valley bank basket. Um, The resolution, although regulators have assured uh, depositors that their money will be paid back, uh, this may take some time as as regulators look into all of the the creditors of the bank. So in the meantime, if these tech companies don't have access to additional funding, uh, for example, for their payroll, there is a risk of some level of layoffs, uh, which compounds the already uh, kind of uh, venture capital and tech winter that we're we're heading into. The global tech industry is that experiencing some difficulty due to funding. 
Yes, the combination of uh, rising interest rates uh, and and the inflation that we're seeing as we head out of the COVID pandemic uh, has dried up some of the funding for tech. And uh, tech companies and startups tend to rely really heavily on venture capital funds, uh, which are unfortunately quite fickle in these in these times. So they can dry up quite quickly. Um, we are seeing the tech industry uh, become subject to these kinds of shocks where, where funding is, is, is drying up and uh, rearranging quite quickly, and so it's important that these companies uh, anticipate uh, sudden changes and maintain sufficient cash flows for these kinds of periods of high uncertainty. Would you say the same is true for the New Zealand tech industry? Do you think they're at risk? So the New Zealand tech industry hasn't been completely immune from uh, the layoffs and the the dry up in funding. Uh, we've seen Zero recently lay off um, up to 800 uh, workers, and so. Um, New Zealand is grappling with this uh, crisis to a lesser degree, although luckily I think um, they were less exposed uh, than some companies in, for example, the UK to this uh, this US um, uh, environment. I think that implications for funding for tech companies, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily only pose bad news. Uh, while some venture capital funds are likely to retreat back to the U.S. and the U.K., we are seeing still a lot of funding coming from Australia. And so it's likely that uh, the partnership between New Zealand and Australia will start to strengthen as we come out of, out, out of this uh, crisis. Back to the banks. In terms of protecting banks from collapse, like all the ones in the USA right now, what can be done? Yeah, so this is a really important issue for regulators. Uh, there is a balance between, um, for example, when, when the regulator is both setting monetary policy and managing supervision of banks, it's important to uh, distinguish between uh, what poses broader systemic risks and supply and demand shocks, in which case monetary policy is the tool to address, um, you know, kind of recession risk. But that's quite different from uh, the supervision component, which is forward-looking, making sure that banks are not exposing themselves uh, to excessive risk that can prompt these kinds of, of panics. Um, and so that's a, um, an important regulatory distinction for, for our regulators. Um, in some, some regulators provide uh, deposit insurance. Um, so this is the, what's been worked through by the FDIC in the U.S. at the moment. Um, in New Zealand, the Reserve Bank has tools like the Open Bank Resolution Framework, which helps to instill confidence in the public, so both in companies and large-scale investors, as well as uh, regular um, bank customers like you and me. Um, these frameworks uh, provide a um, tools for the Reserve Bank to step in, take control of any banks that are experiencing a crisis, and to prevent that becoming a contagion that spreads to other banks. And just having that framework alone often is enough to provide the confidence needed to prevent these kinds of panicked runs. So it sounds like we're quite protected here in New Zealand. Yeah, I would say that uh, the funding structures and uh, the tools that the regulators have at hand um, make it unlikely that the the type of 
uh, runs we're seeing in the US will spread uh, closer to home. What are the next steps for those affected by this bank collapse, as well as the bank itself next steps? So at the moment, the FDIC, so the, the regulator in the US, um, has taken control of the bank's balance sheet. Um, and it's now, the next stage is to work out essentially who all the creditors to the bank are, who to whom the bank owes money. And what tends to happen is the regulator looks at the how systemically important each of these creditors are and essentially lines them up in a, in a, a sort of hierarchy um, and addresses the funding concerns of each of these creditors and then works down the list. So this is why it can take some time, especially for depositors who had smaller deposits with the bank. Um, they might, uh, it might take a longer time for them to receive their funds. That was Chanel Julie from the University of Auckland's Department of Economics speaking to me about the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank. That was a 95BFM podcast. Support 95BFM with a B-card. Go to 95BFM.com slash sign up.